you back to your seats and truth be told I wish I was preaching when am I not wishing I could be preaching but I'm glad because I still have that problem that Pastor Dave so graciously agreed uh, to cover for me on Sunday with so very little notice and you know he was saying I'm I'm not a preacher Pastor Ross and I said Dave he said, I'm just a guy who loves Jesus. And I said, exactly, sold right there. You just talked yourself right into it. And, you know, we've been friends for coming on 20 years almost. We met four years before we met. And let me explain that to you. We bought a, a, a beautiful antique table at his yard sale when we both lived near each other in Petaluma. And so four years later, he visited The Rock when we first started in, in 17 years ago in Sebastopol. And we're starting to talk. Yeah, I used to live in Petaluma. Yeah, I used to live on that street. Hey, you know, and, and Dave's all, keep talking. You sound really familiar. And then I said, it's the table. It's the antique table. I bought your table four years ago. And uh, he said, yeah, $400. And I said, yeah, my wife had it appraised at $2,300. <laughs> and we're still friends. <laughs> we became fast and furious friends from that day on. I didn't know anything about golfing. I had to learn how to golf. It was awful. And uh, <laughs> no, uh, I just try to think of some of the funny stories. Just amazing time spent with Dave. He's Mr. Uh, he's unflappable. This guy, most of you know him because he's always at the front greeting everybody. This guy, he's just sunny and mild every single day. It's already yeah, kind of like my wife is like that as well. That's why I'm best friends with him, and I married the other one. I married my wife. And so, uh, without further ado, Dave, I think you have to come up here now. And believe it or not, you are preaching today. Believe it or not, this guy is 62 years old. It makes me so mad. <laughs> you don't have to walk like you're 62. <laughs> no, I'm not 62 yet. All right. Next we week. <laughs> oh, yeah, we still have the table. Is, yeah. Yeah, the table is still in their living room. It's a nice table. Is it painful to you? Not at all. No. Okay, good. <laughs> now, I tell everybody uh, that when he told me 2300 that was okay. If he would have said 2500 I would have left the church. <laughs> but I was, I was okay with 2300 So... Uh, well, you know, it's my job as the associate pastor to make you want to long for Pastor Ross to come back. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes today. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, 
All right, here we go. Uh, last week, Pastor Carlin shared with us about the grace of God from the book of Titus chapter two. And we learned how God's, how God's grace offers salvation, how God's grace teaches godliness, how God's grace is coming in glory. This morning, I wanted to keep the theme going and talk about our responsibility and what we need to do with this grace that we received. So to help us do that, we're going to look at the first two verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. But before we get started, I'd like to ask the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, uh, this free gift that you gave us because of your love for us. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would just have your way in the study and that you would fill this place with your spirit, that uh, your, my words would be your words and my thoughts, your thoughts. And we just ask you to bless this time in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, we're gonna look at Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter six. As God's coworkers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I found three thoughts in these verses I want to share this morning. The privilege we have, the passion we should have, and the reason why we serve God. Paul starts off by saying, as God's co-workers. Another translation reads, working together with God. Now, we need to think about what an amazing privilege this is to be a, a co called a co-worker of God. We have this awesome opportunity to work with the Almighty God, with the creator of all things. Right away, it made me think about the time when I first became a Christian, I, I was a Christian for about a year, and I was leading this, uh, the Marin Christian Fellowship on the College of Marin campus. And I went home and I get this message on my phone machine from uh, a California state senator. And this wasn't the senator's office calling me, and it wasn't an intern, one of his interns, because when I returned the call, his wife answered the phone. He gave me his home phone number. And it turns out he wanted me to help him. He was doing this community project and he wanted me to help him with it. But I thought what an honor it was to have a, a state senator call me and leave his home phone number. How much more to have the God of the universe calling us to work together with him you see, we're called by God, gifted by God, empowered by God. First Peter, Second Peter 1.3 tells us his divine power has given us everything we need to live an effective and productive life. So we're called by God, gifted by God, empowered by God. And Acts 17.26 tells us he strategically places us here in Sonoma County 
here at The Rock, here in 2019. And he did this for us to be his co-workers, to share the gospel of grace, to visit somebody in the hospital, to preach a sermon, even to do something as simple as, as, simple as to give somebody a cup of cold water. Not only does God call us, gift us, empower us, strategically place us, but in Matthew 28, 20, Jesus promises that he will be with us to the very end. It's like being on a job site and your supervisor shows up with the plans for the job that you're gonna do. He brings all the tools you need he teaches you what needs to be done and he works with you by your side until the job's done. I want to work for that guy. <laughs> so God calls us, gifts us, empowers us, strategically places us, promises that he'll be with us to the very end. But wait, there's more. There's a paycheck. There's an eternal paycheck. There's eternal reward. Every time we do a project, co-working with God, there's a treasure in heaven being stored for us. Speaking of reward, it reminded me of the bike trip to Santa Monica we took last year, uh, where there were these massive mountains that we had to climb. And all you could do was put it in low gear and put your head down and just grind it out. And uh, it, was, it was hard. But what kept you going was knowing that there would be a, a reward for all this hard work. Because once you got to the top of the mountain, you knew you got to go downhill. And that was the funnest part of the trip, was just going down the hills. Even though working with God can be an uphill battle at times, there's going to be a downhill. We'll always find joy doing his work. By the way, uh, the Greek word for coworker is soon ergeo, and it means to put forth power together with and thereby to assist. Basically, putting two things together resulting in power. And that's where we get our word synergy. In John 5, 17, Jesus tells us, my father is always at work and I too am working. Now we know Jesus taught in the synagogues. He preached to the multitudes. But there were other examples of work he did. He healed, he healed a deaf man in Mark 7. He healed a royal official son of sickness unto death. In John 4. In John 5, he, he healed a lame man at the pool of Bethsaida. He healed a blind man who was blind since birth in John chapter 9. And of course, he raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. Jesus had work to do. He tells us in John 14, 12, very, very, very truly, I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will even do greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. 
Now, Jesus didn't mean greater in the sense of more sensational, but here he was talking about greater in magnitude. Jesus would leave behind followers who would spread his kingdom to more people than Jesus ever did in his life and ministry. One commentator said this, what Jesus means we can see in the book of Acts. The book of Acts continues the same work. There are a few miracles of healing, but the emphasis is on the works of conversion. One, on the day of Pentecost alone, more believers were added to the small band of believers than throughout Christ's entire earthly life. There we see a literal fulfillment of greater works than these shall he do. And now we continue to work with Christ in this present age as he works through us. Once Jesus ascended into heaven, the promise of the Holy Spirit was given us. So when we share the good news of salvation, this grace once received by those who are spiritually blind, spiritually deaf, and spiritually lame, they'll be healed. They'll be healed of their spiritual blindness, of their spiritual lameness, of their spiritual deafness. We can be assured that God is trying to break, break through every heart of every unbeliever we come into contact with. God wants us to co-work with him. M most of you know Deputy Dave. Deputy Dave was transporting an inmate from Sacramento to Sa Santa Rosa, this young man who got into trouble. And the whole ride, Dave was... Uh, sharing with him, sharing about the Lord. Uh, the, the young man was very responsive, had a lot of questions. Dave calls me and says, hey, can you go visit this guy uh, in jail and maybe pray for him, bring him a Bible? So I went to see him and through the glass, uh, we just had, uh, I... Uh, prayed with him. I shared the gospel with them. It turns out that his mother was a Christian. Uh, I'm sure praying for him. And uh, I told him uh, about Jesus, about his plan for salvation, about his plan for him. And I asked him, hey, do you want to receive Jesus? And he said, yes, I do. So through the glass, I prayed for him. So since then, I got him a Bible, and I've been following up on his court dates, and before his court appearances, I'll go and pray with him and just pray that God would have mercy on him, and he, he really wants to change his life. I'm sure a lot of you have stories about co-working with God, serving here at The Rock, maybe serving at the RGM, maybe praying for somebody, praying for a neighbor. This leads to my second point, the passion we should have. Let's finish reading the verse. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. What does it mean to receive God's grace in vain? Remember, grace is God's undeserved favor extended to us through Jesus Christ. It's a free gift given by God, 
undeserved, nothing we can do to earn it. Well, the word vain here means an effort or act which results in nothing. It means fruitless or without purpose. It means a full empty, a whole lot of nothing. To receive his grace, but not bear any fruit. It means to receive his grace and not do anything about it. You get a lung transplant, which is successful, but then you start smoking again. You're given $10,000 to help you during a tight time, but you don't use it. Hemet Kellis, Mehmet, Mehmet Kellis, a 75-year-old homeless man living in the central Turkish province of Konya, was killed when a reversing bus hit him on September 27th. Kellis, known as the old man with bags among the locals, was at the center of an urban legend that rumored he had rather a large bank account. Well, police investigating his death verified the rumors as it turned out that the man living in squalor had actually over $438,000 in his bank account. And here he was living on the streets, begging for food, begging for handouts. The worst thing a Christian's life is to have, the worst thing in a Christian's life is to have God's grace given us and we don't use it. Receiving God's grace in vain is when God's grace gives us the power to live victoriously, but we continue to struggle with the same sin. Receiving God's grace in vain is when God's grace gives us the the desire and ability to live for others, but we're only concerned about ourselves. Receiving God's grace in vain is when God's grace gives us access to his throne. Ask, seek, knock, Matthew 7. But we don't even bother because we don't believe. Sadly, many Christians receiving God's grace in vain and neglect to capitalize on opportunities for spiritual blessing. God's grace is a priceless gift and a spiritual blessing given by God himself. He blesses us so we can bless others. He comforts us so we can comfort others. 2 Corinthians 1. He saves us so others can be saved through us. Considering the gift and the one who gives it, What a tragedy it is when we neglect to use it. It reminds me of the Dead Sea. The Jordan River flows in, but there's nothing flowing out. It only receives. It never gives. Nothing lives in it. There's no life. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. We don't want to be like the Dead Sea. We don't want to just keep get receiving and getting in, but nothing going out. It doesn't produce anything. We want to be busy about our father's business. We want to co-work with God on a work of God that will bless God and bless others. I have a picture here 
of uh, workers getting the project done. They're working, they're co-working, they're framing, and they're getting it done. As opposed to uh, receiving God's grace in vain. <laughs> right? In Paul's letter to Titus, he tells him, our people must learn to, vo- to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. We want to live productively, working together with God and not receive the grace of God in vain. And here's why. And this leads me to my third point. Let's look at verse 2. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. This is the reason we want to serve God. Paul is quoting Isaiah 49.8. And this is talking about Israel's restoration. In which here, it's called the time of God's favor and the day of salvation. The Lord is speaking to a powerless and helpless Israel who was exiled to a foreign land because of their sin and their rebellion. And they cried out to God. And in the day of his favor, he heard them. And in the day of salvation, he helped them. Paul uses this verse in Isaiah to describe the advent of the gospel. When God heard men's cry, He sent Jesus to save us for the very reason to co-work together with him, sharing the gospel to save others. We know Saul before he became the apostle Paul. We know he was murdering Christians. He was a murderer. God heard his frustration. And in the day of his favor, he heard him. In the day of salvation, he helped him. Paul became a great missionary and a writer, of the several, and a writer of several books in the New Testament as God's co-worker because he didn't receive God's grace in vain. Mary Magdalene, a sexually immoral woman, in the day of his, of his favor, he heard her. In the day of salvation, he helped her. She was the first witness of the resurrection as God's co-worker because she didn't receive God's grace in vain. Matthew, a greedy, self-absorbed tax collector. In the day of his favor, he heard him. In the day of salvation, he helped him. He wrote, Matthew went on to write the Gospel of Matthew as God's co-worker because he didn't receive God's grace in vain. None of them received God's grace in vain, which obligated them as it obligates us to co-work with God. It's not only their stories, but all of us who are believers and have a story where in the day of his favor, he heard us. In the day of salvation, he saved us. This is my story. I was born in San Francisco in a middle-class family Grew up on the San Francisco Peninsula in Daly City in San Bruno. When I was eight years old, 
my sister Margaret, who was 11, uh, we were playing ball in the backyard and the ball went over the fence and down the hill and uh, across the highway to the median. And so we both ran down there to retrieve the ball standing at the edge of the highway. And for some reason, uh, my sister Margaret just took off across right when a car was barreling down at 50 miles an hour. And she was struck and killed instantly. And yeah, very tragic for an eight-year-old boy to be there. And uh, it was just, uh, you never, uh, you get over the grieving process, but uh, something like that, it just, you know, you just can never get over it. I found that just recently that God's still healing me on it. Well, as a family, we did grieve and, and get past that. But when I was 16 years old, my parents got a divorce. And I, uh, I was living a carefree life. I, uh, you know, I was, uh, I graduated high school. I had a full-time job, so I was trying to be responsible. All I really wanted to do in my early 20s was to meet uh, the right girl and get married and have a family. And uh, I wasn't having a lot of luck with that, but uh, uh, when I was 25, I met the girl of my dreams and I fell head over heels for her. And uh, I thought she was the one and we dated, uh, you know, for a, a few months, but uh, she didn't have the same feelings and uh, she pretty much dumped me. <laughs> I got dumped. But, uh, and, and I was crushed. I mean, that hurt. I was devastated. My heart was broken. And I did not know how to fix that. And I, it really threw me for a loop where I, I couldn't, I couldn't function, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. I found myself just walking around in circles. And uh, I was working in San Francisco and I was on uh, the corner of Valencia and Market Street and I was just walking around in a circle. And finally I just cried out to God. And I, I said, God, why does this hurt so much? And no answer. I said, God, I don't understand. Still nothing. Finally, out of desperation, not knowing what else to do, I called out to Margaret. And I said, Margaret, help. And then God answered me. And in that still small voice, he spoke to my heart. And he said, go to Placerville. And I thought, yes, Placerville, that's it. <laughs> that's the answer. And uh, you see, two years prior, uh, I got this job at this church camp. They were building a camp up there out, about 45 minutes outside of Placerville, sort of like what they did at Mount Gilead. 
uh, I was on the, uh, as a construction laborer, I was on, uh, they were building a lodge, they were building cabins up there and a horse corral. And just me getting the job there was a miracle in itself. It, it was an amazing how I got that job. But uh, while I worked there, the, the project manager, Vern, uh, who was a retired uh, Caltrans worker, but he was uh, overseeing this whole project and living on the property, we became good friends. And uh, I just remember always, whenever I had a question for Vern, he would always tell me what the Bible said. Well, you know, the Bible says this, or even in con a conversation with him, he would just always bring up the Bible and tell me what the Bible said. So when God spoke to my heart and told me to go to Pastorville, that's, it was Vern. Vern would know what to do. So that night, I drove the three hours from San Francisco to, to outside of Pastorville, and I knock on Vern's door about seven o'clock at night and he opens the door and I said, I'm just standing there, Vern, this girl <laughs> broke my heart and I'll never forget his laugh. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. And then he said, you know, I have this book you might be interested in. He said, I had a whole box of them but, but I, and I've been giving them away, but let me go check and see if there's any left. And he came back and he said, I got one book left. And it was a book uh, with the title, Behold Your God. And Vern let me stay at his house that weekend and I just started reading the book. And on the first page, the author quoted John 17, three. And this is eternal life, to know the one true God and to know Jesus, whom he has sent. And when I read that, my spirit just came alive and I called out to God and I said, I want that, that's what I want. And the Lord honored that. And I, I took that book home and, and started reading it. And I, I noticed that uh, the author was quoting scripture, and so I didn't even finish the book. I just got a Bible and started reading the Bible. And uh, from there, I got plugged into a church. I started serving in a church, and, and God was just really moving in my heart and growing me. And, and uh, I was just, I wasn't receiving... Uh, the grace of God in vain. You see, a while later in one of my devotion times, I asked God, I said, God, why did you wait? Why did you wait until I called out to Margaret before you answered me? And he spoke to my heart again in that still small voice. 
And he said, I just wanted to confirm to you that she's with me in heaven. And so that really blessed me, and I was really happy about that. And um, so, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I didn't know how to land the plane in first service. Ross just told me to. <laughs> <laughs> Ross told me, that's right, read the last line. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation, right? How about you? What's happening with you? Are you uh, receiving God's grace? Are you doing something with it? Do you need to respond to this? Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love and just for uh, hearing my cry, Lord. And I know we all have the, the story of crying out to you and in the day of your favor, you heard us in the a day of salvation you helped us. We thank you for that promise and we thank you for who you are and the love you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.